0: Good morning everybody it's good to see you this morning. We're happy that you're here. This is a good place to be today. I'm excited about the service today and and everything that I think God is going to be doing here in uh, in church this morning and I am so glad that you are here today. We've just wrapped up a great week of VBS and and a little bit later on we're going to show you just kind of a bit of a video presentation of some of the things that happened this week, and and uh, it truly was a great week, just a fabulous week, and we want to show you a few things that uh, that was happening <coughs> here this uh, every morning uh, at VBS. I'm gonna read from the Bible today, and I'd like to ask you to stand with me as we read from God's Word. I'm reading from Psalm 18. Psalm 18, beginning in verse number one which the Bible says, I love you, Lord, you are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the strength of my salvation, and my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy of praise, for he saves me from my enemies. Listen to this, and I think this is especially important Dealing with the message I'm going to be sharing this morning, listen to these words very carefully as to somebody who is praying. David is praying, and he's asking God to intercede on his behalf. Listen to these words. The ropes of death surrounded me. The floods of destruction swept over me. The grave wrapped its ropes around me. Death itself stared me in the face. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry reached his ears. Then the earth quaked and trembled. The foundations of the mountains shook. They quaked because of his anger. Smoke poured from his nostrils. Fierce flames leaped from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He opened the heavens and came down. Dark storm clouds were beneath his feet. Mounted on a mighty angel, he flew soaring in the wings of the wind. God answers prayer. This prayer made it into heaven got God's attention, and he did something about it. And at the close of this service today, we're going to be praying for people right here in the front of this church. We expect and anticipate the same God that answered David to also answer the prayer of the saints today. That's what's gonna make this a special day. So let's pray together, shall we? Father, we thank you so much for giving us this Lord's Day. We're excited about what you are going to be doing. Father, we thank you today that you love us. You love us so much that you call us the saints of God, and we thank you for that. Father, I pray that you'll pour your amazing grace all over this sanctuary and into our lives and into our hearts. Father, I pray, may the power of the Holy Spirit of God simply saturate this sanctuary today with your might, with your power, with the voice of God that would resonate in our hearts today. Father, I pray, direct our paths this morning, direct our lives, speak into our hearts a mighty word of faith and power and uh, and amazing grace. And so, Father, today, we simply come under your Lordship this morning, expecting, anticipating a touch from God today. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Message begins this morning with the question, what do you do when it seems like God doesn't care? That's a question that a lot of people ask, believe me. And over the years of ministry... I've been confronted with that question. It's a difficult, very difficult question. And one that is even worse to try to answer. It's just plain hard. We are not promised that if we live for God that we will never face trouble. As a matter of fact, Jesus was very direct when he said, In this world, you will face tribulation. You're going to face trouble. Becoming a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ does not erase the opportunities for us to find ourselves in difficult circumstances, troubling things. You won't find that in the Bible. We have no guarantee if we live for the Lord that he will remove from our lives every bit of trouble. In fact, there is a lot of proof that God says, if you live for me, you will face difficulties. You will face certain trials, frustrating things. There are people here today this morning listening to this message who are devoted servants of God. You are faithful to study, faithful to pray, faithful to give, faithful to serve, faithful to worship, faithful to virtually everything that is going on in the church and what God expects of you, and yet you face troubles. You face difficulties in your families. You face situations that that bring stress, great great amounts of stress. You strive to be obedient, and yet there is still difficulty. You still have bills you can't pay. Maybe you received a bad report from a doctor visit, and it goes on, and the list is long. There are people whose children have rebelled and they're live in, they are living and walking in ways that, that are clearly wrong. They were taught better and yet they chose a pathway of disobedience and they become a burden in our heart and in our lives. And we pray for them. We pray for them seemingly constantly. And we struggle with that. There are Christian people listening this morning and those who are listening by, via the internet whose, whose marriages are under, are under attack and some that are failing. There are some who have buried a spouse, some who have buried a child. And we ask sometimes the question, God, why did this happen? What's going on? Why didn't you stop it? Why didn't you step in? Why didn't you do something? How come? This has happened to me. I've been faithful, and yet, this happened. And we ask the question, why doesn't God hear my prayer? I, I can tell you this, uh, if I was to list the top three or four tools of the enemy to discourage and, uh, and even try to defeat the, 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 the Christian, the follower of Christ, this is the question. That I think is one of his favorites to plant into our, into our mind. Why didn't God, who is supposed to be good, step in and do something? We prayed, we prayed, we prayed. And yet, the cancer continued to grow and took over. Unfortunately, there are those who choose to blame God in this situation. That's, a, that's not a good thing to do. It's about the worst thing you can do. And so we blame God. We choose to turn away from the church. That will get God's attention if I don't show up. And that does nothing but hurt you, because you're walking away from the things that can help you the most. You are the person who looks at your circumstance and feels there's no way out. And when it comes to options, it's like a dead-end street. And so I want us to look at the word today. I want us to look at the word. Look, I'm, touching the, I'm not even touching the tip of the iceberg this morning. I'm not sure if I'm gonna even be able to touch the point of that ice, iceberg with this tremendous question of why does God do these things? Why does God, and by the way, God doesn't do these things. Let's make that straight right now. Can we make that clear? God does not give people cancer. God does not bring heart attacks on. God does not uh, pull you into bankruptcy. God does not take away your friends. God does not do any of these things. He doesn't do any of them. This is the work of the enemy. This is the work oftentimes of our flesh, sometimes of our bad decisions and, and many other things. But don't walk out of this church thinking that somehow God made me sick and God killed my, my mom. And God didn't heal my brother of cancer, or whatever it is. Don't ever do that. Job chapter 23. I'll read it in just a moment. But let's catch up on what's going on in Job's life. When you look at Job chapter 1, you find that one of the strangest meetings in all of the Bible... And here at this meeting, and, 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 and don't even try to understand theology here, okay? You won't hear me say that too often, but don't, don't try to just accept it. But there was a meeting between God and the devil, Satan himself. Because Satan came before God, and God says, Have you seen my servant Job? There's none like him in all of the land. This is a guy who's faithful to me. This is a guy who serves me. This is a guy who who cares for me. This is a guy, a worshiper. Job has it going. And of course, the devil comes along with that accusation, and we've heard it. Well, you know what? It's because you just bless him so much That's why he does this for you. You take that blessing away and he'll curse you." And so the deal was made. I don't understand that, folks. I don't understand why why God made that kind of a decision. But I do understand this one thing. God had a knowledge of Job. God had a knowledge that Job was on solid footing. This wasn't some kind of a Sunday morning Christian that was there lifting their arms as we sang the worship songs, but on Monday, he blew away. Job knew, or God knew Job. He says, go ahead and test him. Take it away. Take away this stuff in Job's life. The only thing you can't do is kill him. And so that's exactly what happened. In a matter of hours or a day or two, literally everything was taken from Job. It was horrific, his family, his way of living, his, even his health. The Bible says he was covered with boils. And yet, Job would not turn from God. His wife was a real blessing. You've read that, haven't you? She says, Job, curse God and die. Now, isn't that an encouraging word? Nobody, there's not one preacher that I think would ever preach on that that text, curse God and die. But that was her word to her husband. And Job continues on. Did Job understand what was going on? God never said a word to Job and said, look, this is what we're going to do, and you're the guinea pig in this whole deal, and we're going to afflict you and all kinds of things are going to go bad in your life. God never, never did that, and yet Job was faithful. Listen to my text. Job 23, beginning in verse 10. He knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and not turned aside. This is Job talking to God, or actually Job talking to his friends. I have not departed from his commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words, of, the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. But he is unique. And who can make him change? And whatever his soul desires, that he does. And, for he performs what is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. Job said, when the whole house is falling in on me and my livelihood is gone and my family is gone, I mean, they're dead. My home is crushed. My health is absolutely vanished. It was Job who made the declaration, yet I know that my Redeemer lives. Job not only knew something about God, he knew something about the future my Redeemer lives in that. Job didn't toe the party line. His friends come along, and most of Job is sort of a conversation between these friends and Job and all of this stuff that's going on here. He didn't give in to the lies. He did not give in to these falsehoods that sometimes float around in Christianity. These falsehoods that that says, well Job, there must be sin in your life. Or you must have angered God somewhere along the way, so that's why you're getting this treatment. You must be out of the will of God. And Job, if you just had more faith, this wouldn't have happened to you. Listen to me closely. Job was in great pain and great grief and And it was overwhelming. And yes, I'm pretty convinced in my own thinking anyway that Job might have been uh, a little bit frustrated about God and not understanding stuff and all of this. That's pretty natural. That's very natural. Yet he never gave up on his faith. Not once. I think if this happened today, you'd still find Job sitting on the front row, hands lifted up, Giving, serving, doing anything he could because I'm not giving up my faith. I'm not giving up on God. I'm going to stick with what God is doing, even though I may not understand it. Listen to me, saints. Listen very carefully. You and I make a conscious decision to trust God even when we don't understand Everything that's happening around you, you this is a conscious decision. This isn't just something that, well, I hope this happens. It's a conscious decision. I make it. And I don't have to understand what's going on, but I'm making a decision. Likewise, we also make the decision to rebel. We make the decision to sin. We make the decision to walk away from God. We make these decisions in our lives. When it's difficult to trust God, it's, it's, not easy, it's not hard, folks, when everything's going okay. When the sun shines bright and the grass smells good and everything is coming up roses, it, it doesn't take a whole lot of talent. It doesn't take probably a whole lot of faith either to trust God in those days. But when the days grow dark, when the situation becomes, becomes difficult and hard, this is when our faith is tested in our life? Will I continue to trust him when your marriage does fail? When you thought everything was going good, but yet she went out and filed for divorce anyway? Will I trust God when everybody prayed for me and I still got the diagnosis? You need to realize the devil, and I want you to hear this very carefully, you need to realize the devil is desiring to defeat you And he wants to place you into a situation that not only is going to shake your faith, hear me, saints, but he wants to shake your foundations. You know, it's like a tornado going through. It may blow the roof off your house, but you can rebuild this. But when the tornado goes through and it rips the foundations and messes up, there's nothing you can do. The enemy wants to take your foundations and rattle them so bad and push in the walls and all of these things so that there will be no place to stand. That's his desire. Go with me for a moment to Psalm 91. Psalm 91 uh, is a Psalm of David. David shares this and actually it's a song. Psalm 91 beginning in verse one. It's a song. And David is singing this in the presence of a, of a choir. He says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, He is my fortress, and my God. In Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and the perilous pestilence. Let me talk about this for a moment here, just for a moment. You cannot dwell in the shelter of the Almighty. You cannot dwell there unless you are willing to put an absolute trust in God. It has to be absolute when you dwell in his shelter. I will trust him. I will walk in obedience to him no matter what. Verse number 3 talks about the snare of the fowler and the perilous pestilence. Notice he doesn't say, I'm going to get these out of your way for you. I'm going to push these away. You're not going to have to face these. You're not going to have to be touched by these. But here's what God does say. He says, I will deliver you. Not I might deliver you. I will think about delivering you. Maybe I will deliver you. I will deliver you. And that's his promise. And we can count on it. Real Christians, look at things that are happening and you know that somehow God is going to get you out of it and he's going to be your deliverer. But in the midst of all of this trial, I'm still going to be praising God. I'm still going to worship God. I'm still going to love the same God that saved my soul from its sin. I'm still going to count on God. I will still do that. I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise will continually be in my mouth. I think it's interesting that 50 years ago this month, a perfectly healthy 17-year-old girl named Johnny dove into the water, swimming with friends, dove into water. And when they got her back out, she had broken her neck and she was paralyzed from the neck down in her body. And for the past 50 years, 50 years. She's had a lifetime of struggle, but also something that God has used to accomplish extraordinary things. And one of those things is that God can take broken people and use them in mighty I'm not praising God because everything is good and smooth, but because I need to be a strong and mature follower of Christ. And I know this day is only temporary and that God will deliver me. I like what the late Robert Schuller said. He said, tough times never last, but tough people do. That's pretty good. That needs to be remembered because it's important. Psalm 91 and verse 4 says, it goes on, He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. Actually, there's a better word for feathers, and it's, He shall cover you with his pinions. Pinions are stronger than feathers. It's the pinions that when you see an eagle gliding through the sky, it's the pinions that are moving, that creates the movement here. Not, not just the feathers, it's the pinion feathers. They're strong, they're tough. And God covers you with these things. I believe God is saying that in order to get through the problem and the dilemma, you have to first go to God. Listen, I think somebody in this room today, right now, wants deliverance, wants the help of God wants the blessing of God, but I'm going to tell you, somebody here, you here's your problem. I'm going to, I'm going to, here's your problem. You, you want to do it on your terms. And I don't care how much we pray for you, how many people pray for you, it's not going to work. You do it on God's terms and his terms only. You don't get to dictate to God this is what I want you to do, this is how I want you to do it, this is the way you should be doing it, and all of these things. That's ignored. And when you simply stand before God and say, I want my life to be transformed and shaped in the image of Christ, you don't give God instructions, this is how I want you to go about it. That doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 17 says this, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Look at Jesus. Jesus in his ministry was constantly hounded, constantly. He was betrayed by one of the 12 disciples. He was uh, subjected to a mock trial. He was humiliated. He was ridiculed. He was beaten. He was hung on a cross. He died on a cross. But then came Sunday. And he rose with victory. Saints, I may take a licking today, but I'm going to keep on ticking. As the old Timex commercial said. It might hurt, but I'm going to go higher. Because I'm, I'm dedicated completely to the shepherd of my soul and the one who has promised I will cover you with my wings. I will hide you in the shelter of my arms. No matter what's happening in your life right now, the enemy is looking for weak spots. And I want you to know, you're not in this by yourself. Daniel chapter 3, I'm going to just flip there real quick. Daniel chapter 3 has something interesting. This is where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is this great story here. Tremendous story. And you know, the whole idea was Nebuchadnezzar says, listen, when the trumpets blow, I want you to bow down, I want you to worship me. And these guys stood like this. No, 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 no. Why? Why? Remember the foundations? The foundations of our life. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's foundation stuff. And they weren't about to get rattled over that. Everything else is flying around their life. They were prisoners. They were not their own people. But the foundation, you'll have no other god before me. And it stood stern. Nebuchadnezzar, powerful man, powerful person. He says, look, if you don't do this, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to throw you in this furnace. I'm going to burn you alive. Here's the response of these guys. It's a powerful response. Verse 17, if that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. That's a lot of faith right there. Wow. Wow. He's able to deliver us from the burning, uh, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. You know, the furnace is the first stop. Your hand is next. Verse 18, but if not. Put that into your head. But if not. Let it be known, O king, we will not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up, and Nebuchadnezzar says, into the furnace you go. He tossed him in there, took a peek, wanted to see how things were going, and he got the surprise of his life. Because in verse 25 it says, Look, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt And the form of the fourth one, is like the Son of God. Remember, he is with you. He is with you. What you're going through might hurt, it may shake you, but God's word says it's going to also make you strong, because God has you covered and God has your back. Thomas Chisholm was a man early in this century that wrote, I think, one of the greatest hymns in the church today, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Thomas Chisholm, from, as a teenager, wanted to be a preacher, and he prepared his life for that, and yet he was a person who constantly battled sickness, constantly battled these, these types of, I don't know what it was, some malady or whatever, that really prevented him from having a, a strong ministry as a pastor. But he wrote. And at, toward the end of the life, he writes these words, I must not fail to record the unfailing faithfulness of a covenant-keeping God that has given me wonderful displays of his providing care for which I am filled with astonishing gratefulness. That's faith. That's confidence. William Payton and his young wife, they were expecting their first child. This is back early in the century, last century. Felt the call of God to go to the New Hebrides Islands to share the gospel with people who had never heard about God. He was ridiculed by his family. He got on a ship and went there, he and his wife, the captain of the ship, ship as he got off said you are one of the biggest fools I've ever seen but it wasn't about whether I'm a fool in your eyes or whether I've made the right decision in your eyes it had everything to do what is God asking you to do he got off the ship and they went on to the islands <clears throat> his wife gave birth The baby died in childbirth. Unfortunately, his wife did, too. William Payton said, I had to build a big fire at night. And I literally laid on the graves of my child and my wife, because these islands were infested with cannibal natives. Out of fear that they would come and rob the grave. Thirty years of his life spent on these islands, and then he was to go home. And he makes a statement that I think is profound. He says, Thirty years ago, I came to these islands to this beat cannibal drums. Today I leave to the sound of church bells. All because my God who is faithful will protect you and cover you and keep you even in the most difficult moments of your life. It would have been easy for Peyton just to say, okay, I've had it. I'm walking away. This is too much. But he stayed with it. This message may have come to you in a life situation this morning that is hard, difficult, difficult, But I want you to know there's a place, a secret place, that I think is known only to God and to those who are willing to give themselves only to God with no conditions, with only the expectation I want to grow closer to God himself. Psalm 91 tells me that God will extend his protection over my life to the ones who place themselves under his protection we move away from protection and it's always because of three things my sin, my disobedience or my pride or the combination of all three I move away from God Connie would you come back there I want you to understand something dear saints the scars in our life The scars in our life, and my guess is every one of us have a few. Some of us might have more than others. But the scars of your life are proofs that God helps us and he heals us and he is with us. Right here, and it's almost, it's close to invisible. But right here, this little spot in my hand, I look at it every once in a while. When I was, I don't know, when I was about five or six years old, I was riding a bicycle at my grandmother's. And I, I didn't have a bicycle until about then. And I, so I'm out trying to ride it on this little sidewalk that was in front of her place. And I don't know what happened. I tried to make a corner. I crashed. And man, I just skinned this. Oh, it skinned it up and there's been a scar there ever since I was five years old. That scar reminds me of something that God heals. I didn't give up on bicycle riding, because shortly after we got the thing to quit bleeding and we put some kind of a Band-Aid on it and all of this stuff, within about an hour I was trying to get on the bike again I was gonna practice my corners. Seemed that I needed work. I didn't give up. Don't you give up. Don't you stop. Don't quit. Because God will never fail you. Never fail you. You can't go wrong with God. I'd like to ask our elders if you could come and just kind of spread yourself out across the front of this church. We wanna pray for people this morning that may be going through some difficult deep waters in your life, struggles that just uh, just really need God to, just saying, God, I, I need you to intersect this issue in my life. Lift your hands for his blessing. Father, may the Lord bless and keep every one of these people safe, under the shelter of your wing in the shadow of the almighty father let us understand and know that we walk with god that no matter what comes our way what no matter what difficulty we may end up facing this week we know that there is one who stands with us and his name is jesus and he is great and he is mighty and his wonderful wonderful grace extends into our life, and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.